Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, the e-commerce podcast is all about helping you deliver e-commerce wow. And to help us do just that, I am chatting with Stephen Frey from Quantum Branding about how brand sites can help you achieve success faster. Now, let me talk about today's show sponsor and, <laughs> and explain why I'm maybe giggling slightly. Uh, this show is brought to you by the e-commerce cohort. E-commerce cohort is our monthly group, uh, e-commerce group where we have experts come and teach workshops uh, and all kinds of good stuff. We're going to talk a little bit more about that for reasons that will become obvious soon. But one of the things that we do with our podcast is we live stream the recording of it. Uh, and we do that when Matt remembers to hit the button. <laughs> <laughs> which he didn't do about five minutes ago. Uh, and so I'm really sorry if you're watching the live stream on this. You, you, it's not the most professional starts. If you're listening to the audio version, all of that would have been cut out. And you're straight in as normal. You go, Matt, what are you talking about? It sounds normal. Well, hey, welcome to the world of podcasting. Fortunately, uh, we managed we managed to do this with a, with a good friend of mine uh, who's not actually that bothered about perfect podcast, uh, which is super, super helpful. So Stephen is the founder and chief brand scientist at Quantum Branding. He helps brands become authentic and memorable category leaders through the power of brand science. Yes, he does. The core of what fuels a successful brand's growth, sales, and marketing. He is passionate about helping purpose-driven brands to get to their next level, disrupt their market, and leverage the power of brand science to become an industry authority. Uh, so again, for the second time, welcome to the show, Stephen. And if we just hang on just one sec, the music is almost perfectly timed. There we go. Ah, <laughs> oh, we got there the second time. I'm really sorry about that, uh, if you are watching the live stream, but welcome to the show. And um, and Stephen, thank you for letting me introduce you twice. <laughs> Well, hello, and thank you for having me, and thank you uh, for everyone who's joining on the live stream, and uh, those who are listening to the recording, uh, you are missing fantastic shenanigans. <laughs> Such a good word. All the behind-the-scenes stuff that you get to see on the live stream, uh, the shenanigans, yes, absolutely. You'll, you'll, and, and if you're listening for the first time, you've missed out on jokes such as, is that really water in his flask, <laughs> or is it whiskey? <laughs> yeah. Emotional moments, such as Stephen getting emotional during the music written by his son. You'll also miss, wait, there's more, the backstory about he is going to university for theoretical physics mm -hmm. and wrote a compelling number called Dad's Themes. For all that and more, stay tuned for the live broadcast of the e-commerce podcast. <laughs> I tell you what, you just host it because you're doing a much better job than I ever did. But uh... <laughs> no, I can only I can only recap the things that happened. That's oh, what a okay. narrator does. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't work in the future sense. So. Fair enough. Shenanigans uh, have to happen first. Yeah, the shenanigans have to happen. So yeah, drink uh, so whiskey. drink yeah, where which is in your is that a fox on your cup? It is a fox. It is a foxy fox. Uh, so. Uh, one of the words we use around the office here uh, is adorkable. Uh, and there's adorkable. just something about, yes, there's just something, you don't read it. It's in my bio and you refuse to read it. He just skips over it. He's like, what is that? I don't know. To be so honest with you, Sadaf rewrites the bio. So I don't, oh, I don't, it's not that I'm deliberately not reading like, it. 
She's like, cut that out. That's not professional. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) It did not pass um, the SADAF test. No. It didn't. It didn't. That's understandable. But it's adorable. I I I like it. There's there's a few tests I don't pass. Uh, We call them assessments. (laughs) We call them assessments. Um, You know know you're in trouble when you take a personality test and you fail it. Oh, wow. so, so that's why we call them assessments now. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't fail an assessment, can you? I suppose. But yeah, the fox, uh, cute stuff. Um, I'm the adorable brand scientist next door, and uh, at any given moment, there's like cute, quirky, nerdy stuff going on. I mean, I got a couple Pokemon toys. Oh wow! You know, I mean, I mean, wait, we, we've got a Pokemon toy oh, wow. here. Uh, f- found this. Found this brand new in the wrapper at a gas station when i had a flat tire if that's not a sign from the universe i don't know what it is <laughs> yeah <laughs> fair enough fair enough i've got on my, i've got on mine i don't have a pokemon i have a slightly more serious lego indiana jones mm, mm-hmm. riding mm-hmm. a horse because i have the whole mm. thing from the last crusade uh with his dad on the motorbike on the shelves behind me i uh, with a polo I, I creek see you, i Rocky. see your i see your uh I see your Indiana Jones and I raise you RGB monster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're going like that. Hang on one second. Where's he gone? Oh, there it is. I see that. I'm sorry, I'm just, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just scooting across the studio here. I see that and I raise you with Apollo Creed. Mm, mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I, I see your Apollo Creed. I raise you um, 1920, uh, 1950s Florida Orange Bird. Yeah, I'm out now. Walt Disneyland. You win. Yeah. yeah. I actually have two of them. This is, this is a, a reproduction from Canada. Oh, wow. uh, I have the original one up there. Uh, so, yeah. No, it's not a game. It's not a competition. <laughs> We're all fellows. We're all comrades moving all forward comrades. in the game of life, yeah. trying to just move forward and go on e-commerce podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about e-commerce just and to... all kinds of paraphernalia we have on our desks in front of us, <laughs> which we have managed to acquire over the years. Why, why are we here again? What are I we... don't know. It's just one I, of those I love, things. I love, people are going to join this episode and be like, they're talking about toys. I'm out. <laughs> Either yeah. that or it's going to attract like, a whole bunch of traffic and people are going to like showing pictures of like stuff that's on their desk and be like, this is the best episode ever. ever I can yeah, relate yeah. to these people. I also have toys on my desk. Yes. That's a good point. Actually, if you've got show us the toys on your desk, put the pictures on Instagram, hashtag uh, e-commerce podcast meets quantum branding or I don't know, just hashtag something and <laughs> hashtag toys on my desk, hashtag toys on my desk. And <laughs> we would love to see them and see if you can beat the Apollo Creed uh, and the Pokemon that was on our respective desks. Just legendary, legendary stuff. Legendary toys for legendary people. Right. You didn't that. even get into the Thundercats toys. Oh, dude, Those, do you have see, Thundercats you had toys? to leave? You had to leave your desk. Yeah, Mine are within fish. arm's reach. Okay. Mine are Because if I would have gone over there, I would have got the Thundercats. So no way you've got Thundercats. Do you know what I have? I don't have them here. I have them on my desk at work. I don't know what you call these actually. You know, the, the toys with the big heads. Funko I Pops. Think. Fungo Pops. Funko Pop. I have yeah. the entire Goonies collection of Fungo Pops. Oh. Wow, so I'm a bit of a Goonies fan. 
they made money off of you. <laughs> they're like, let's reel. They're like, let's reel this sucker in. Yeah. Unleash the whole Goonies collection. <laughs> dun 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 dun. Mad will buy it. No problem. Thinking it'll be worth something in forty years. Maybe half the price of what I paid for it. If I'm lucky. Um, but yes, no, no, no. I, I, uh, I, I'm a big fan of the Goonies. Did you know on my other podcast that we have called Push to Be More? Which you're coming on, actually, uh, Stephen. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're going to have conversations on that one. Uh, and that podcast, ladies and gentlemen, but just so you know, is where I talk to business leaders uh, and CEOs, um, like Stephen, just about challenges in life and all that kind of good stuff. But one of the guys I had on the show is the guy that now owns the Goonies house, which is where the movie was shot in the 1980s. Mm. Yeah, a guy called Bayman Zachary. What a legend he is. Uh, and so, um, yeah, anyway. Let's talk about. I have a problem with that film, though. I'm not going to lie. Oh, what? There is a whole freak. There's. I have a problem with that movie conceptually as a child. There is a whole pirate ship sailing away at the end. Sorry, spoiler alert. You had 30 years though. If you haven't seen it, (laughs) sorry. Been 30 years. The actors are in retirement now. Come (laughs) on, don't be mad at me for ruining this. There is a there is a pirate ship at the end. And there is all this treasure on there. And I am like, and they all like walk away and they like save the subdivision with a bag of jewels. I'm like, I want to hop on a boat and go get more treasure. <laughs> like I want to go, I want to take the boat for a spin. Yeah. I want to commandeer this under nautical law. Mm-hmm. I want to have my own working, you know, uh, what is, I don't even know what the type of ship is. It's uh, what it's called, but like, I want my own little battalion, you know, you know, it's like instead of the black pearl, it's the orange pearl. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, just, yeah. I want my own ship. And I, I would like, we're just going to let the ship go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ship with treasure. You're going to let go. Yeah. Like there's like a whole like movie with uh, the kid from Spider-Man and, and that's uh, a castaway. Or a fr- there's a whole, not- there's a movie about treasure and ships like this, like yeah. based off a video game. Like, we're, we're just going to let the... Yes, we're going to let the ship let it go. go. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we should get Steven Spielberg on and ask him what happened to that ship. Because uh, you didn't actually reveal it in the movie, what happened. But, you know, we'll save that for another day. For today, let's talk about e-commerce, given that's the title of the podcast. Uh, and we're talking specifically about <laughs> branding. Um, <laughs> now... <laughs> in fact, now I can... Every I can, time you say e-commerce, we're going to ring the bell. Oh, is that how it's going to work? Uh, oh. oh, I could yes. just do this. Uh, yeah, we could. Just do, yeah, well done. Woo! We, we're getting there in the end. <laughs> yeah, I've got all kinds of noises on this. Too. Anyway, um, last time, uh, just trying to bring it back to some sense of normality. Last time we talked about uh, the difference between marketing and branding. Um, And that's kind of where we started, um, (laughs) if you remember rightly. Um, And one of the things that you said, which really stuck with me, was marketing is basically anything that says, hi, do business with me. Uh, That was one of the best definitions of marketing I've ever heard. And then within that subsection of marketing, you have something called branding. uh, And branding is the distinct stuff that helps you remember who to do business with. Um, so let's pick up from where we left off um, uh, and talk about, because we did sort of like a, you called it a 30,000 foot level overview of the whole thing, right? 
Yeah, and and you're absolutely right. That's a really great uh, definition of just of marketing. Because here's the thing: as time time goes on, technology changes, and so the means of the delivery of our marketing can change. Mm. So you know, before there used to be print, before there used to be, then there was TV, and there was yeah. radio. So like marketing changes over time and it's delivery, but the principle itself is still the same. You know, if you rewind back to the days of the original hanging sign in ye old Renaissance, you know, medieval feudal uh, kingdoms or towns that like, you know, like back in the day, you know, in, mm-hmm. in your neighborhood, Matt, you know, over yeah, there. Yeah, in, just in running, they're still there. Um, fair, most. When you go to the blacksmith, you know, everyone goes to the blacksmith. What? They had a little sign. You know, if there was a tavern, there was a, a picture of, you know, uh, a, a beer stein or a, a glass or you know, there was there was iconography. There was signage. Um, yeah. it let people know. And so for the most part, marketing is typically first and foremost informational about what the thing is. So that's rooted in the category so uh, that it is. So if you're seeing a sign for food then you know the category norms and and the trends and the colors and all the, all those things are rooted in the category from whence that came mm-hmm. so what's interesting is if you think of here in the states i don't know what fast food restaurants you have over there but if you if you if you're here in the states uh, a lot of the the fast food places have red in their brand from right. mcdonald's to arby's to wendy's so when you go and you get a straw i may not actually be able to tell what brand my drink is from based on the straw alone. The straw may be red. Yeah. If it's McDonald's, it may have yellow and red on the stripe on the side. Oh, I can maybe tell there. But if it's Arby's or is it Wendy's? So the use of one color doesn't necessarily always mean that that it's the brand's prime color, the main mm-hmm. color. So this is where we get into branding as a mnemonic device is when there's stuff that's distinctive to you. Mm-hmm. And distinct, we say distinct. I want to pause here and say, um, most people say uh, different and distinct. Different is like when you show up to a baseball game wearing soccer cleats okay. and a soccer kit. Mm-hmm. That's You're not playing baseball. You need to play baseball with the right outfit. And so mm-hmm. if we are in our category, you know, in our, our industry, whatever yeah. your industry is specifically, there's going to be some norms of how that game is played, like baseball. And then there's going to be distinctive stuff to your team. You know, think if you're, you know, a, a baseball team, you're going to have your own brand mark. You're going to have your own name. You're going to have your own colors. So branding is that mnemonic system within marketing that uses these organized, they're intentional, they're organized, they're distinctive. And remember, we said with baseball, like if we're showing up Mm -hmm. with a different thing, we can't play the game. We have to be just distinct. So in baseball, everyone wears a different color uniform, but they still are wearing the same equipment. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's a really important metaphor um, when we talk about things being distinct. Does that track with you? Um, When when you hear that, where does your mind go? No, I think I I totally get it. And I because one of the things that if I bring it down to, uh, you know, sort of e-com websites, for example. One of the things that people I've seen, I don't see them do it as much these days, mainly because everyone's on um, Shopify, but it used to be that you go, right, well, the image 
goes on the left, the text goes to the right of the image, and then the buy now button goes underneath that text, right? And that's kind of the, the default way you would display e-commerce. And so then people started switching it around and, and doing all kinds of weird, wonderful things. And you're like, why are you doing that? And they're like, well, we're trying to be different. And it was that age-old conversation that different is not always good. Be distinctive, sure. but don't always be different. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and so being different, like you say, is, is turning up in a football sure. uniform to a, a baseball game. Which... You know, uh, now I may have a distinctive cup. This is a distinctive cup. It looks like a mm -hmm. fox. But here's the interesting thing. It has a handle on it. Mm -hmm. It contains volumetric liquids. It, it has volume, the capability to store. And it functions. I go to drink out of it. And yeah, it still works. If I go to use something and it doesn't work, then it's too different. Right. I can't redefine in my industry. I can't redefine um, typical shopping norms. It's like, a, it's like a, you know, a coffee mug. If you go to pick it up and the handle's wonky and it's uncomfortable, you don't want to use it. And the same thing with e-commerce websites, with the sales process and how people are are trained and used. And, and it's really interesting because it's a self-referring kind of hermeneutical circle mm -hmm. of how does this site work? How does the whole industry work? How does this site work? How does the whole industry work? Mm -hmm. So we may be used to going on sites like Amazon, on Etsy, on eBay, and there's some category norms of the way, you know, Internet sales and e-commerce sales, you know, e-commerce sales, <laughs> I hit the button, are, are, I missed one earlier, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Stop taking my bell power. Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the, there's the industry norms that, that are standard that everyone's expecting. And that's mm. kind of the lay of the land. That's, that's our baseball field. And we can't get to first base with our our customers because we're our industry those are kind of first and third base our mm -hmm. customers and in our industry and we have to play within those boundaries yeah because if we go to sell something that they're looking for and we can't make it to first base by sharing something that they're looking for in the normative ways that they're expecting to see it so let's just change the metaphor um, i like to illustrate kind of some of these these scientific principles with insights that we can all all relate to um and and I forget we call them cookies but but you call them crackers biscuits. is that is that well no cookies translates so, but we'd call them biscuits is in a, in essence biscuits that's the word so if you're shopping for cookies or biscuits you go to the aisle in the the supermarket in the grocery store or the bodega wherever you go and there is an aisle just based on cookies mm. And the principle here is that there's different types of cookies. There is chocolate chip. There's, you know, butterscotch. There's white chocolate macadamia nut. There's wafers. There's chess cookies. There's shortbread. There's all different kinds of cookies. And then that's that's what the customer is looking for is these ingredients, these cues, these yeah. colors. You know, brown typically means chocolate chip in this world. Mm. You know, so if you're shopping for an Oreo type cookie sandwich cookie there may be some off brands that may use that same color blue um but it's the combination of blue with oreo with yeah. nabisco in the corner that makes it oreo yeah so some of this is trade dress some of these norms 
um, are are utilized by other companies to cue some of the same memories. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of where I want to land today is is this idea. Why does branding work? We talked about kind of an understanding of what it is, but we really need to understand why is this important? Um, and so we'll get there in a little bit, hopefully if, um, if, if we, we follow, uh, we don't get distracted <laughs> with more shenanigans, but highly unlikely, you know, but sure. Highly <laughs> unlikely. There will be three more podcasts, uh, ap- yeah. ap- episodes after this and, and it'll be like a Netflix arc of eight episodes yeah, before yeah, yeah. we complete the story. So in, in our biscuit aisle, there are types of cookies and cues and ingredients people are looking for. There's also shared memory structures. And these are the colors. These are the, the things that make it knockoff. Most brands are near knockoffs of each other. You know, right. Toilet paper, for example. You know, there's red, there's yellow, there's blue. There's a soft baby or animal. You know, there's a soft animal or a baby on the front. Mm. The signage is kind of like swooshy. You know, there's clear packaging. It's this tall or it's this tall. There's bad math in the corner. You know, 10 rolls plus 12 rolls equals 4,600 rolls. Like <laughs> there's a reason they do that to confuse other than to confuse you yeah. is they want to provide value and communicate what? Softness, strength, yeah. brand, association. Because if you associate it with an animal or a baby, you associate mm, comfort or softness or strength. So, so what, what I'm opening up this can to say, this, this can of worms here, is that this is all about something um, shared versus distinctive memory structures. Yeah. And so some of these shared memory structures are the colors and the shapes that we all know. And then the distinctive memory structures are the ones that are unique to us. Because at the end of the day, if I say, hey, do business with me, the reason these assets work that are distinctive to me is because of our brains and how our brains work yeah now it's really i love this and so if i go back to your toilet roll analogy if i if i may um what's interesting to me is every uh, every toilet roll um in the shopping uh, center that we go to, right? Everyone in the eye is always talking about strength and softness, the two keywords, strength and softness. In other words, no one is distinct. You can't use that to be your distinctive, can you? You can't go, well, we're stronger or we're more soft than those people because it's sure. like, well, I, I, or can you be distinctive in that? Is it a case of no recognizing these are the foundational things in my industry? These are the shared experiences, the shared memories, the shared uh theories behind all of this i need to therefore be distinctive in something else yeah absolutely right uh when it comes down to what what you're trying to offer most of us think of this idea of your usp or our unique uh uh service or value proposition mm-hmm. um and that's really kind of a past view of of marketing um there's kind of the old view of marketing uh if 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 you're if you're if you think some of these things, I want to invite you to consider that there's a more empirical evidence based view. Mm. Um, the past view that we've mostly operated in is this idea that it's based on positioning. People need to know who we are, what we do, in a very articulate way. We mm. need to focus on how we're different. We're the fluffiest of all the fluffy things. We're the chocolatiest. We're the mm. um, and there's something about like. M- 
message comprehension. Like people need to understand because if they understand, then they'll know and the unique selling proposition. And we need to persuade these people. They need to be persuaded and we need to teach them. And it's this, the, this is the biggest faulty thing is that these are rational, involved, actively involved viewers, (laughs) purchasers, customers. And actually it come to, come to, to find out that's not the case. That's not the case. Mm. Um, our, our evidence-based view of branding and, and how marketing actually works is based on distinctiveness, these tiny little distinctive points. Um, getting noticed, creating emotional responses, um, creating relevant associations. You're not you when you're hungry. I, I can't believe Snickers has, has, has done, Eminem and Mars Company has done this. You know, there is, they have associated a word with a guttural human uh, feeling of hunger and associated candy with hunger so that you're not you when you're hungry. I hear the word hungry like, oh, hey, Matt, um, I'm hungry. Oh, you're not you when you're hungry. <laughs> like, wh- what? Yeah. Like you, you, they have associated this idea of hunger with candy so that you think of that as brilliant, that, that, that is that ingrained in, in our psyche. Why? Because they not only have the name, they have the commercial, they have celebrities that have been in those commercials, usually poking fun at themselves, which I think is so funny. Um, my favorite one was with Betty White and they're playing football and they're like, these guys were playing, you know, football on the field and, and someone was like acting like Betty White and they're like, dude, you're not you when you're hungry. And then like, she gets like totally tackled. And, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, you know, but this idea that they're, we are reaching, we're not teaching, we're mm-hmm. reaching people at all times. Um, we are trying to connect with emotional distracted viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's a reason this all works and it has to do with how the brain works. Um, and, and, and so I want to pause there to give, give, uh, you some, some time to, you know, tell me what you're hearing and what you're connecting. Um, cause that's a big, that's a big shift. To go from, yes, it's teaching and unique selling propositions and persuade to shift to it's just about being known. It's about being distinct and creating relevant associations that can be really, really jarring. Well, it can. And here's the thing, right? I was talking um, uh, to some friends around the dinner table last night about not about this specific topic, but it the stereotypical view of men of a certain age, right? I'm not saying this is true for all men, but certainly men of a certain age, men typically who grew up in the 80s, um, wouldn't use words like emotions. And so it's easy, I think, for a generation of people to start thinking about USPs, as in this is what's going to make us different. I'm going to teach you about this. Um, But when marketing starts becoming about uh, emotionally distracted viewers, I think was the phrase you used. I think it's a great phrase, emotionally distracted Mm. viewers. All of a sudden, it's not just the toilet paper that becomes fluffy. In some respects, I think people hear that and go, well, then my branding, my marketing needs to now become fluffy because I'm now dealing with irrational sure. people who are emotional sure. and who are distracted. How do I how do I deal with that? Um, and I find the whole conversation quite fascinating because I think um, the, the two types of marketing you've described appealed to very different types of um, people who think in two very different types of way, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. So, so to visit kind of the old model of, of marketing, 
you know, the old model of marketing that's predominantly what is pervasive today. It's it's what we've kind of taught ourselves. It's what we've learned. Um, it it works, but it doesn't work as effectively. Mm. So that means that we're having to spend more money trying to teach people and focus on our positioning and our USPs and persuade them. What if there was a way for you to get more business with less work, spend less money, have simplified marketing, and get the results that you want faster? That's that's really where this comes down. It usually comes down to like time, quality, money. Mm-hmm. You know, the triad of of God. I don't, you know, of the universe. Like you can only have two. Uh, yeah. But but what's interesting is when we when we go back, why does this work? We have to talk about why why are these two models. And so we've got to talk about the brain and uh, you kind of teed it up earlier about uh, the cohort training. And this is exactly one of the things that we talk about on that training is we need to understand how does the brain work? Mm. And at a really big 30,000 foot view, uh, we're not going to get into it too much, but at a really big view, we have two systems. It's not left brain, right brain. Mm -hmm. It's not creative versus nerdy. Um, uh, you know, uh, we don't use just 10% of our brain. Like there's, there's some myths in there. Um, our brains are not like computers. Um, you know, our brains are not hardwired. Mm -hmm. So, so for us to realize that no men's and women's brains are actually pretty much identical. You could not find the difference if we just popped open two brains of corpses, um, learning styles, There may be learning preferences, the way our bodies and minds have preferred Mm. uh, to learn, but our brains at the end of the day, for all intents and purposes, are the same. And Daniel Kahneman is a Nobel Prize winning uh, psychologist, organizes them into just two systems. Basically, 95% of the time we have system one. System one is intuitive. It's instinctive, it's guttural, mm-hmm. it's reactive, it's unconscious and automatic. It's why you and I could be on the phone uh, talking and making jokes. You could be tying your shoes. You could be driving the car. You could be doing multiple things at once. Mm-hmm. Um, hold on, mom. I can't find my phone. Hold on. Let me, I'll call you back. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're doing two things at once. And that may actually be the reason why you can't find your phone because you forget that you're on it. You know, so system one is fast. Most of our day. Is, is system one. That's like two plus two. What is two plus mm-hmm. two? Oh, yeah, four. System two, system two is rational. It's logical. It's like using all the resources of your brain to be like, hmm, do I put 20% down on this house so I don't have to pay PMI insurance? Um, is this a good investment? Um, it's that critical, conscious, yeah. effortful decision-making most people believe that their values uh, live in system two. And while that is mostly true, their values actually live in system one. Mm-hmm. So we have the things that we think we say we believe, and then we actually have our actual behavior yeah, yeah. because we're reacting. And so this is why focus groups and studies, you can ask people questions, which one they prefer. But when we look at their habits, habits are actually what show us the data. Yeah. We need to measure people without knowing they're being measured. That's kind mm-hmm. of the idea of a double blind. Um, and if you actually know the story about double blind, this is really funny. Long story short, there was a horse and the horse, I forget his name. I'll type it in the show notes. Um, the horse, basically, uh, the the 
trainer of the horse could share with him a question. What is two plus two? And and he would stamp four times. Oh, and everybody thought this horse was like telepathic. Fast forward, they realized that the horse was able to pick up on the cues of the trainer. So at first they had to put on, um, it wasn't just about the, the horse being blind. It was about separating them from the, him from the trainer altogether. And that we mm. have the concept of double blind. So for things to be considered double blind, there's actually two forms of blindness. So that's actually how things are measured. So going back to our, our model, if 95% of the time we're using, you know, our system one and it's intuition, it's effortless, it's innate skill, it's speed, it's reflex. This is where we get flow. I mean, that, there's so many podcasts dedicated to flow. This is why, because it's, it's muscle memory. Yeah. It's you remembering. So when you go to the grocery or the supermarket, you're on what? Autopilot. And what else is on autopilot? Your senses. This is where all your senses connect and are connected to. So this is so important for us to understand with your brand's marketing, with your e-commerce brand that, that <laughs> bells I won't are fun, steal sorry. your bell. I won't steal your bell thunder now. I'll keep the applause. Done. Okay. Okay. So if we know that our senses, our senses are literally, do you know why they're called senses? You're trying to sense make. Your sniffer is trying to, I don't oh, this looks like a mole rat. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> go in with my hand here. Uh, you know, your your nose is trying to like cartoon smell the, the smells. Your ear mm. is trying to make sense of the world. Your eyes are trying to sense. They are trying to gather intel and information and interpret it so that you can navigate with your, your brain. Mm. So that means... All of our marketing is being interacted by that system one. Mm -hmm. Now, you may have some intricate sales things that, yes, people may engage system two when it comes to your sales process. But as far as the everyday interactions of your brand, it's being initially coded and seen and interpreted with system one. So all of a sudden that disqualifies system two. So you mentioned emotional distracted viewers and, and that doesn't mean you have to have fluffy marketing. Mm -hmm. What that means is we just have to understand the environment that people are in and we have to understand that they're using system one first and foremost. And so it's no longer going to be about them trying to understand you know, the backstory on your about page. And the reason this color is a, is periwinkle blue is because, you know, Matt's grandmom loved periwinkle blue. Like all of a sudden, a lot of this meaningful stuff that we're trying to mm -hmm. jam pack into our brand doesn't work anymore because we don't have time. We don't have yep. time. So we want people to basically like a spider web of, or a network of associations like a cluster or an atom that's exactly what our memories are mm. is little nodes of memories that the more memories they are it's the difference between a one lane highway and a five lane highway wouldn't you rather have a five lane highway in someone's brain so that mm -hmm. when they thought of you they thought of you first or when they think of your category they think of you first that's what memories are so all of a sudden this transforms everything that we know 
about branding and marketing and how it works and completely puts the system upside down on its end. Wow. I, I, yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot there, but isn't there to unpack? I guess my first question is, um, who, who do you see doing this well and why? Well, I think that the easiest answer for me is always kind of my my go-to favorite, uh, honestly, is, is Coca-Cola. Mm. Um, when you look at a brand, there's typically two things. One, you look at kind of their their size. Like, are they local, national? Are they local, yeah. regional, national, or international? And so they're on an international level, obviously. And what that tells us is when you're looking at your brand or any brand, there's kind of idea down at the bottom, you know, inception. Then there's traction. Oh, I'm getting validation. Then there's growth. Oh, I'm getting sales. I'm getting growth. There's scale. And then there's category authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I say category authority is because the goal is not to be the number one of a category. That's nearly impossible. Mm-hmm. You typically need to be a conceptual, a conceptual authority. So a good example would be uh, when I was used is uh, Harley Davidson. Harley Davidson is the only American made motorcycle company that sells a sense of uh, identity and freedom to men and mm. women, 35 to 55, roughly at a time in, in their lives where they value their independence in the field of the open road, or possibly at a time when they feel that that's more important or under attack. Mm-hmm. That's a very conceptual authority. If I want to be the number one motorcycle company, good luck. What yeah. kind and for whom? Because yeah. motorcycles, that's <clears throat> a large market. Mm. And also they all share the same customers. Nobody owns their customers. So for our sake of our example, from from whence the rabbit trail came here, Coca-Cola is is really my best example. Um, I like using them. Um, I drink, I call it Man Coke, Coke Zero. Um, Now they call it (laughs) Coke Zero Sugar. I feel like the silver can (laughs) tastes like grandma, grandma's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I don't know. There's Coke Zero and Diet Coke every day. Absolutely. I'm with you. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And what's interesting is when we look at at, um, these brands, uh, I organize their brand in the sensory categories. Uh, And the sensory categories are just the assets that they use. So if I'm looking at Coca-Cola, and this is kind of a primer on another thing that's, that's that's taught in the training over on the cohort portal is that there's shape, there's shape assets. Mm-hmm. These could be the swoop that you see on Coca-Cola. Yeah. It could be the shape of the bottle. Mm-hmm. It's actually the brand mark. And then it can be any illustrations that they use. Um, they're always refreshing their packages and um, they may include, you know, football shapes during football season here in the States. They may add like summer shapes. Now they may not, own those shapes in the sense of like, I look at that shape and it's like, wow, I know that's Coca-Cola, but those shapes are creating associations. Oh, summer. Oh, football. Oh, Oh. Christmas. Oh, holidays. So those shapes are a shared memory structure. So they may not follow in the shape assets category, but if the illustration is consistently on your brand or on your package and it makes people think of you, then that's shape. So shape is the first thing that helps us navigate the world around us. So we've got some shape assets that are specific to Mm Coca-Cola. Then we have some color, some color assets. So we know there's that single color red. There's also the color combinations of the different products they have, the black. Black also means trade dress for no no sugar. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's zero sugar is the new terms that people are using. It's kind of like the old days. It was fat free. Yeah. You know, Can't uh, say that. That anymore. was the term. You know, so there's color combinations. And then there's the colorized view of the, mer- the mark. So we've got shape, color, and then content. So shape is how we navigate the world. Color is how we interpret it. And then we've got content. Content is the list linguistic stuff. I can't even say it because it's linguistic. <laughs> um, so that's your tagline. Always Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also the typeface, that rounded typeface. Uh, anybody who's a designer or geeks out on Coke knows a few years ago, they even came up with their own typeface to use universally. Um, and if you want to know why, it's because of licensing, because they would have to pay licensing. So that's yeah, a, yeah. that was a really, really smart move. Yeah. So we've got shape, color, word. We've got story, story assets. Story is is everything from the graphic style. Mm-hmm two moments like twisting the oreo mm-hmm. or popping the mentos when you're in a persnickety situation mm-hmm. uh, persnickety and shenanigans are cousins by the way yeah yeah you're I'm not, not sure about those words yeah, yeah um so photography if there's any specific type of photography if you remember the first ads for uh the ipod that came out it was the people with the silhouettes and it was like a black and white and then there was like a pink or a blue and Well, that was a graphic style. So if I see that ad, boom, I know exactly um, that 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 is a specific ad. Mm. Um, We've got shape, color, word, story. Story can even be the archetype that we tell. Coca-Cola is telling the everyman and kind of a utopia. There's two kind of things. So everyone, Coca-Cola is for everyone. Contrast that to Pepsi. Pepsi is what? you know, next generation or generation next. Yeah. They were always about being edgy and, you know, they had Michael Jackson and, you know, Cindy Crawford and their whole thing was about being countercultural. And even mm-hmm. if you look at how they try to use their, they're, they're trying to be like, well, they're not every man because if they are every man, then they're telling the same story as Coca-Cola. Yeah. But here's the interesting thing. Coca-Cola and Pepsi have the same customers. 80% of people who drink Coke also drink Pepsi. Okay. There's no such thing as, as having your own customers. Mm. It's not true. So, so there's shape, color, word, story. And then we've got music. We've got jingles, popular songs, background music, sound assets, uh, vocal styles. Uh, we have a hotel here in the States uh, called Motel 6. I'm Tom Baudet, and I'll leave the light on for you. And if, if you hear that commercial, you would know that that's Tom Bodet's voice. You would hear the jingle in the background. Ding, 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 ding. And there's a the little music, mm-hmm. you know. So there's the music, there's the vocal style, and then there's also the guy, the guy's name. So that's a human asset or a character asset. So that could be spoken people, celebrity, or characters. So now that you know that's the palette that we organize mm-hmm. this stuff, you're like, oh, who does it good? Well, let, I would say Coca-Cola. Why? Yeah. Because I can go through each of those categories of word, shape, color, sound, story, music, human. And I can say, oh, they got polar bears. Oh, they have Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. they have the, the tagline. They've got the jingle. They've got the pack. They've got the color. And I count those up and they have like 170 plus and counting. Wow. I look at Pepsi and Pepsi's lucky to have 10. They keep changing their brand mark design. Yeah. And they're actually not refreshing it in a way that innovates or or reconciles the past memories. So they they keep refreshing and it's too different than the original. So, you know, when we think of brands that the best brands that are out there are the ones that 
update and refresh their brand. You know, before it was, you know, a diamond is forever. And then it was forever now, you know, with the beers, with, mm. you know, with the U.S. Army, it was be all you can be in the army. And then it was an army of one. And then it was army strong. And the best brands evolve their brand using the memories that they've given you. And then kind of zhuzh them a little bit to stay on top. Yeah. You know, Do you so think that's where we, Pepsi we, missed it then? You know, I'm, I don't know why Pepsi's missed it. Um, you know, I don't have enough information to, to really uh, have a dog in the hunt here. And, and I was actually on a podcast, uh, not in the same episode, but uh, as the CEO of Pepsi. And I was like, yeah, I would love to have a conversation. I would love to ask him, tell me what was going on. Mm. Tell me what you're thinking. You know, um, I used to teach design school and um, spent several years and I, I taught an art direction class. And originally the old teacher had students revamp a brand and i was like no you don't have enough information to say why and and these students don't have a, you know they were on a quarter system they don't have enough time to actually do the research necessary to mm. to come back and so i'm like no we're going to create campaigns using the existing archetypes using the existing assets mm -hmm. so then they had to go research and it's the same thing is it's typically best to use the assets that you have and then test and utilize them and say, should we keep them? Should we add new ones? Um, the phrase uh, in-house that I use is use or lose. You know, if you have a color and somebody looks at that color, you know, the question is, does that prompt people to think of my category? Does that prompt people to think of me? Or does that prompt people to think of my competitor? And you can kind of use those same questions of for all the categories, color, shape, word, story. You know, if I use this type of photography, do people think of my category? Do they mm -hmm. think of me? Do they think of my competitor? And and the goal is you're trying to find out, is this shared or is it distinct to me? Yeah. Typically, you can figure it out. When, when I do brand research, um, I literally take these categories, color, and then I have single color combination, color and design. And I, and I put them in a chart. I put them in a chart. I'm so excited. I'm hitting the mic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I said spreadsheet and Steven goes ecstatic. Uh, <laughs> when I, when I'm to all our viewers and listeners at home, I hope you also celebrate when you have spreadsheets. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let's just try so, it. You know, it's like a bit like gratitude journaling to celebrate when you open the spreadsheet just, or change your life. Celebrate spreadsheet. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, this is the best way to gather information is basically take these categories. And, mm. and this is something I teach. I teach brands and I also teach teams how to do the brand science method. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the things I do. I don't have to do the work for you. I can teach you how to do this with your team. Um, but in this method, in the brand science method, you're learning how to basically assess your category and look. And you can be like, oh, everybody is blue in this category. Yeah. All my competitors are blue. And then you're like, wow, so if we redo our brand or zhuzh things around, what's the likelihood that we can own a color blue? Nil to none. Yeah. But what if we utilized like a, a navy cadet kind of sophisticated blue and our main color was bright pink? Mm -hmm. Ooh, that would be distinct, but it would still reference the blue that we need yeah. to ground us in the category. And that's just an example of the the type of conversations that you can have around your brand assets of, 
are are is this distinct to us is this distinct to our category yeah and every category is like a different ball diamond or ball field some of them are indoors some of them are outdoors um they may be in in a different city a different location for you i don't know should i be talking about cricket instead uh is that a better no no not really (laughs) okay 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 just long as long as long as you know what baseball is i I do i I, yeah okay just checking. I'm trying to be culturally sensitive. <laughs> I'm going to get some comments. <laughs> hey, didn't talk about. Hey, didn't talk about rugby. Ah, uh-uh. um, very good, very good. Uh, I like the accent. Yeah, I was a tight prop, by the way. If anyone wants to know, uh, <laughs> gentlemen's sport for barbarians. Um, yeah, it's my favorite. Yeah. Uh, so, so those are the conversations that we we need to find out what assets we have first, so that yeah. we can measure. And that's really the first step is find out what assets we have first so that mm-hmm. we can start measuring their effectiveness. The challenge here is that most people only have three to five. They have their mm-hmm. brand mark, they have their name, they have a color. If we're lucky, a tagline. I don't know when we see the tagline. They probably don't, but they know they have a tagline. <laughs> Somewhere. Buried. Yeah. You know, it's it's like on the back of the business card when you flip it over, it's like, yeah, ah, a tagline goes here. Lorem Ipsum. You know, uh, <laughs> So we, you need to, you need to, to, to first measure so that you can assess. Yeah. Uh, and I've actually got a tool. Um, if, if, uh, if I'm allowed to share a tool, you I'd go for it. I've seen it. Uh, it's, it's good. Uh, it's actually, can... uh, I actually saw a little email this morning, a little bird show me that you downloaded it, Yeah. Um, but it is the, the brand science checklist and it really is, uh, the best tool out there. It's the only tool out there based on brand science to help you quickly in about 15 minutes or less, you assess how many assets you have. And it literally is. If if you're familiar with the words yes and no and can <laughs> count on your two hands. You're in safe hand. You can do this. Uh, is, is you can saying. do this. And there's yeah. bright colors on the page. You can print it out. You can, you can, you know, share along with a friend. You can do it online. You can print it out. But the goal is you just count literally. Yeah. Do we have a single color that represents our brand? Yes or no? Do yeah. we have a color combination that represents our brand? And once you start doing this work, this is the first step for anybody, whether you are a new brand, whether you're an old brand, whether you want to revitalize your brand, whether you're thinking about re- rebranding, whether you just took over your father-in-law's company, whether you're mm-hmm. an entrepreneur that's starting a new company, doesn't matter where you are in the age and stage of your business. This is the same tool yeah. that Fortune 500 brands are doing. Why? Now, they're not using this tool, but they're they're going through a process to assess this. Uh, and this is what I've developed working with those brands, Mars, Pet Care, Target, Walmart, Michaels, mm. many, many big brands to assess and count and identify and create a plan to say, ah, we have 35 distinctive brand assets next quarter, which are the ones that we're going to revitalize and zhuzh just a little bit mm-hmm. to keep the packaging fresh so people notice us yeah. online and on the shelves. So most people think that branding is this once and done thing and in fact that's so that's that's another myth that's that's episode three <laughs> myth more myths about branding and drinking whiskey and shenanigans yeah. and shenanigans now as and i'm listening to you talk there i'm kind of going actually um we in one of our econ brands we have this box which we spent a long time thinking about you know in terms of design and some of the things that we could put on it and we've not touched it in three years. 
and I'm I'm listening to you going, mm. oh, that's that's not a good thing. We need to we need to add some zhuzh uh, to that Zhuzh. box, um, and not just assume that actually we're leaving it is is a good thing to do. And I I sure. if I'm here's here's the thing that's going through my head, but as I'm listening to you talk, if I'm starting out, um, and I don't have full time graphic designers working for me, et cetera, et cetera, um, I. I can I, obviously I can. You've just mentioned that I can use the checklist. I should use the checklist actually when I'm starting out. Um, what are some of the things that maybe besides the checklist, or maybe do, is it just the checklist? If I'm starting out, what are some of the things that I need to think about? How do I? How does this become accessible um, for people without that aren't Target, Walmart? You know. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you have to think about this as like training wheels, like on like riding a bike, you're, you're not going to go start riding the most expensive, fanciest bike, but you still need to learn the basics and you still need to learn some of the things. So it's, so it's not really like about the bike. It's about mm -hmm. you learning about it is, mm is, -hmm. is if that tracks, uh, it's really important for some of these things. Um, if you're in a position where you are have a business, you have an e-commerce business and you want your e-commerce business to succeed, you're investing in your e-commerce business. <laughs> then here's the thing you need to start investing, even if it's in some training wheels, even mm. if it's, you know, we're not expecting you to spend 150 K on your brand mark, mm -hmm. but here's the interesting thing. You, you, you're investing maybe, you know, to get traction. If you're in that traction phase, you're just getting going. You want to get fit market validation. You need to know that your name of your company is commercially viable. Mm -hmm. So you need to get that signed off. You need to, you know, uh, go with the secretary of state or whatever the licensing and proper business protocol there is, uh, locally, regionally, and nationally, you know, in sales tax, and, and that's kind of part of that process too. You're already investing in your name. So how did mm. you choose that name? So then that's where folks like myself come in. Like we need to make sure that you can use that name and that's not infringing on someone else. So it's really, really important to like start from the basics of even with just your business name, we, you need to know that, and that your name is able to be used in you know, the industry space that you're in. Mm -hmm. And and so that's an, that's an IP lawyer and there's an IP search. And I do a lot of those things. I'm not, you know, a practicing professional because it's a conflict of interest. Uh, but I do a lot of those terms, search terms and preview things and I can kind of see, ah, this is probably what the lawyer is going to find out. Yeah. And, and then they pay someone. So that's really, really important. We have to start with due diligence right from the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to get into the brand identity. We want to get into these things because they're fun because it helps visualize in our, in our, you know, entrepreneur or business people brains that, Ooh, this is my thing. Like it's, there's something about creating and naming something that is very inherently human and fundamentally satisfying. And also we need to make sure that that's done by industry standards. And so just coming, you know, having, you know, the kid from church come up with something or, you know, your nephew, you know, um, who is a graphic designer, come up with something, you know, something that you've gotten off of freepick.com or Adobe stock. That may be a great inspiration point to say, what is the style that I like? But here's the thing. If you're downloading it, 
so can someone else. Yeah. Then they'll even dupe you into thinking like, oh, I can buy the royalty out on this and no one else can download it. Yeah, for $1,400. But what about all the people that downloaded it for you before? Yeah. yeah. So, so there's so many little cans of worms that start to open up. And it really is just from the beginning, you need to spend the, the, the right amount of age and stage appropriate investment if you're in that traction mm. phase, if you're in that inception phase, if you're in the growth phase. Here's the interesting thing. Um, one of the models I teach in the Brandpreneur program, and that's actually the flagship program um, over at Quantum Branding, and I teach this model of the brand authority pyramid. And literally, it's just really easy, and it's an easy way, and you could like draw this at home and not go through my program. This will be great for you. So there's four pyramids. If we're building a pyramid, a pyramid has four sides. Mm -hmm. We usually think of pyramids as diagrams, but no, what do pyramids do? They celebrate the treasure that's inside. So the mm -hmm. treasure is your product, your service, you know, your virtues, your values, all those things are in the middle of the pyramid down here. And then what? We want to build a pyramid around it. And so we mm -hmm. have four sides. We have brand, all your brand and marketing. We have yep. operation, how you deliver your product. You have your experience. Your experience is customer facing anything that the customer experiences. And then you also have support. Support is like admin, legal, financials, and any of those things. Yeah. What's interesting is you can't build a pyramid unless you build it all the way around. Mm -hmm. And the majority of folks out there are struggling with the first layer, which is their brand platform. And so they're trying to get traction and they're trying to grow. And so they're upping their operations. They're upping their customer experience. They're upping, they're even trying to maybe like do ads. You're trying to like build out channels and social media. All of these four categories all depend on the first foremost layer of the brand side, mm -hmm. which is your brand platform, which mm -hmm. is the stuff we're talking about now, which is your brand distinctive brand assets, your content strategy, um, your, your story, your archetype, mm. all these things and the assets themselves are your platform. It's how you deliver what you do to the folks, the voice visually, verbally, yeah. in a sensory standpoint and the strategy behind it. So the challenge is we want to grow our businesses and everyone's like, I'm going to spend ad. I'm going to build up my operation. This side of the pyramid keeps falling down because we have to build them all up together at the same time yeah. and we're subject to the lowest common denominator. So the challenge is no matter where you are in your brand, what age and stage, whether you're in traction, growth, scale, or authority, you still need to look at your brand platform and assess it and look and see like, do I have a strong brand platform? How can I make it stronger? Because I yeah. don't want the rest of my, my, my pyramid to fall down. Mm -hmm. I don't want my efforts that I'm spending in the other areas of my business to be, you know, um, disadvantageous, I want them to be successful, successful and fruitful. So at the end of the day, it, it benefits everybody in your organization, whether you're a one man operation doing everything, or you have 10, 50, 100, 10,000 people, the brand platform is the most important component for you to propel and make everything clear using this mental model and using the model of distinctive brand assets and yeah. senses. Fantastic. Well, but I'm aware of time and I'm, a, I'm a, and I'm aware of how much time I've sucked out of you given the false start of the first podcast. <laughs> um, 
You, there's a couple of things you mentioned there, and I, I'd love for you to um, just tell people how to find out more. So the first one was the checklist. How do people get a hold of that? Absolutely. So we're going to put a link in the show notes, but we've got a, a link for you. And it is um, it's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash brand science checklist. Pretty easy if you're familiar with bit.ly links. It's bit.ly forward slash brand science checklist. That's going to take you to a link that's easier to share uh, out loud than uh, giving you the one from my website. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> and that's going to take you to that's going to take you to the brand science checklist. And you just pop in your name and your email. You wait five minutes, and the little autoresponder will send you over the goodies uh, for you. Um, and then there's also more information um, in there to guide you through. Mm-hmm that process uh, of of assessing yes or no. And there's just a rubric. You count them up. And at the end, uh, you can assess where you're at and know what your next steps are. Fantastic. So bit.ly forward slash brand science checklist is the first one. Fantastic. Which will, of course, will be like Steve said, be in the show notes as well. Um, and the second one that you mentioned is the Brandpreneur program that you're doing. Um, just explain what that is and how people can find out more if they're interested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so Brandpreneur is a 10-week program. This is for purpose-driven brand leaders. Um, so if uh, you don't have purpose, you aren't passionate about your brand, this is not for you. Uh, if you love learning, you want your brand to succeed, and this is something that you feel like you're put on this earth to do, then this is for you. And so that helps purpose-driven brand leaders like yourself create an actionable brand plan. That's your own custom plan. It teaches you the foundations of brand science. So you learn in the first six weeks what those foundations are. There's a four-day There's a four day, uh, workshop. And then after the four-day workshop, you've created your brand plan. We then have four more uh, weeks of calls in meetings where we work through implementation and strategies. So it's literally like doing all your conditioning and learning. And then when we get to the field, it's game time. Mm-hmm. Because if you're familiar with conferences and events and workshops and trainings, you know that you can't learn and do it at the same time. So this has been made on all the, the learning models um, as well as brand science all together. So you can then go out with you and your team knowing what you need to do next. Yeah. Uh, whether that's continue to work with us, that's another, you know, that's another option as well. But the goal is for you to learn the tenets of brand science. So you then can go out and build the brand of your dreams um, um, and the one that you feel called to do based on science. So you can go to uh, quantumbranding.agency um, and you can click on the top right hand corner. Um, you can also, we're going to give you, I'm going to give you a link tree uh, it's linktr.ee forward slash Stephen Fry. Uh, and you can check that out and there'll be a link to that. Or you can go to brandpreneur.co, uh, brandpreneur.co. So that's the easiest one. Uh, but B-R-A-N-D-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.co. I always, I always feel weird. I'm like, are we still in that stage of life? We need to spell things on air. Yeah, probably. We are, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, go to quantumbranding.agency and you can check out all those things. Uh, we're going to give you the link, the link tree and all the links in the show notes. Uh, yep. But brandpreneur.co and the brandpreneur program. Um, and we are getting ready. Um, 
uh, if you're listening uh, in the future, thank you for listening in the future. But if you're listening right now, uh, we are gearing up for our next cohort in January. So that's really, really exciting. Fantastic. Um, still have a couple more spots available for that. And that's so, in Jan 24. Yep, yeah, January of 2024. 24, 2024. When the aliens course. come listen to this time capsule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we will, of course, have all of those links in the show notes. And the other thing to say, of course, here, Stephen, is you are, in fact, um, in the cohort as well. So if you want to find out more about, you know, getting deeper into Stephen's brain, um, then watch his video on the cohort, if you remember as well, all about the brand science stuff and uh it's um it's uh, mate honestly thanks for coming on the podcast thanks Always for having love me that it's fun I, I love the banter and i love the the fact that we just totally go off piste quite regularly um but love whiskey love the and conversation. toys whiskey and toys yeah yeah i'll see your apollo creed uh and <laughs> uh but every time you come on i have pages and pages of notes um and that is just fantastic so thanks for being such an awesome dude, such an awesome guest, and thanks for sharing heaps of value that we can all take away from. Uh, you're an absolute legend, my friend. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you, listeners, for joining uh, uh, and check out uh, the cohort. If you're not in the cohort, go check it out. Oh, well, it's, uh, absolutely. Ecommercecohort.com. Uh, go, come check it out. Uh, <laughs> you like how I segued that? I teed you up. I did. You I did. You, up. I, you I played did. ping it's... to the pong. <laughs> it's almost like we rehearsed your it. Needs. <laughs> I anticipated your needs and I set you up. It's like a precursor to the dad joke. It's the dad prompt. Yeah, it is. It is. Absolutely. And I just don't have any dad jokes lined up. I'm really sorry. Um, but it's the way it is. No, that's okay. So do check out ecommercecohort.com. Also, be sure to follow the e-commerce podcast wherever you get your podcast from because we've got some more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, let me be the first to tell you, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Stephen's got to bear it. I've got to bear it. You've got to bear it as well. Now, the e-commerce podcast is produced by Orion Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is the beautiful, the wonderful, the very funny Sadaf Bainon, and equally funny Tanya Hutzlack. Uh, a theme song uh, was written, as we discussed before uh, in the... <laughs> But if you're listening to the audio version, you have no idea what we discussed before. But we talked about how the theme song was written by Josh, my son. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, if you'd like to read the transcript, the show notes, head over to the website ecommercepodcast.net, where if you haven't done so already, sign up to the weekly newsletter. So that's it from me. That's it from Stephen. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Do you know what? In England, when you hear the bell, it's last orders at the bar. So uh, if you own a pub and it's like 11 o'clock and you can't take any more orders, the barman always dings the bell. Everyone rushes to the bar to get their last orders in. So uh, it's well timed on the bell there. But uh, so, yeah, thanks last for joining. <laughs> That's fine. Fine. Last orders. Uh, have a fantastic week wherever you are. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.